Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today I'm speaking with Justin Bamford, who has been researching the paranormal for decades, gathering stories about UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, and more. His website, normalparanormal.org, summarizes some of these stories and his research. Justin also shares his research at conferences and recently presented at the 2022 Mysteries of Space and Sky. Justin's book, The Spectrum, explores a tangled web of high strangeness and educates readers about obstacles, ponderings, and conundrums uncovered when dealing with the phenomenon. When he isn't investigating the paranormal, interviewing experiencers, or petting a cat, Justin enjoys creative writing. Welcome, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, unfortunately, my cat did pass away at the end of last summer. So, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have not, I have not found a replacement cat yet, but, uh, but he or she is certainly here in spirit. So. Oh, that's very sad. Way to just bum me out right at the beginning <laughs> of the show, Justin. <laughs> no, you're actually the first person that's ever mentioned the cat aspect. So, uh, I know thank it's you. in your book. It's part yeah. of your bibliography. <laughs> whatever. Okay, whatever. Okay, <laughs> so there we go. But that's okay because you know what? The in the spirit, you know, it's gonna lead me to a question that I was gonna ask later, mm -hmm. um, and I I mentioned this on Twitter. So since you have a lot of experience with spirit, right, ghosts and all that, I'm going to tell you a little story and I need your help. All right. <laughs> so, so I went to a restaurant on Sunday and the waiter informed us that there was a ghost in the bathroom upstairs that was asking guests to let her out because there was a door that was removed when they redid the upstairs to accommodate weddings. And they believed that when the door was removed, she was trapped. So I said, you know what? I'll take care of it <laughs> because I've done some ghost hunting before and I'm like, I'll be fine. But as soon as I got into the bathroom, I had this huge adrenaline rush and I'm like, if this ghost shows up, I will have a heart attack <laughs> because I was not like, I don't know what it was. I was totally fine. And then I go in the bathroom, the door starts to close on its own. So what should someone do to help a ghost in that situation? I can tell you what I did, but I want your advice. Well, uh, so let me just start off by saying I'm, I'm not a psychic medium. Uh, you know, I've, I've had some psychic experiences. Sure. Um, who hasn't? Um, so you're, you're probably talking to the wrong person on how to clear a room because um, that's not what I've ever done. Um, that being said, uh, I think there's a lot of precautions that we should also keep in mind before getting into that type of work. Right. Um, if the first one being understanding, or at least to some extent, what you're dealing with before you embark upon that endeavor, right? Because let's say you're dealing with something that's masquerading as something else. Um, you could be opening a whole different can of worms there and um, something that could, you know, affect you on a psychic level, on a physical level too, um, could follow you back home. You, you never know, right? So Hopefully it turned out okay for you, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. 
and and sometimes these uh, establishments also they they love to have their uh, their ghost stories because it, it helps with business, right? So I hopefully know, you didn't this, clear it too much. I will tell you this though: the waiter was like, "I don't like talking about this." Like he was really oh, okay. like, and it was about a totally different story that he was talking about first, and then he yeah. told us another one where people were being pestered and like things were flying off shelves, and then he finally told us this, and he's like, "I really don't like talking about this actually because I don't want this to follow me." Hmm. <laughs> so yeah i think i understood that you were definitely not a medium but i figured since you've been investigating this for decades surely someone would have given <laughs> advice at some point <laughs> but it sounds like the clear answer was i probably shouldn't have rushed headlong saying i can handle this <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh, the other thing too is you know you always want to do it with a team right because if god forbid something does happen while you're in the midst of something um who's going to help you right um you know that that's the danger of it going in solo um so they always teach you in the field you know never never go into any type of location by yourself so but you're you're here here now so it, it must have ended up in a you know very well so <laughs> well for those listening who who may be getting this a little later this happened technically yesterday so yeah so far one day good <laughs> one day out still good <laughs> <laughs> nice okay. so please tell us since we know that you're not a medium that's been established we do want to know a little bit um about some of your personal experiences um you mentioned them in a little bit of detail in your book but if you could just summarize for people what brought you into this what got you writing books and investigating and going to conferences can you tell us a little bit about your background yeah well i think a lot of people listening can also identify that we don't really choose this field so much as it chooses us right like some sort of experience happened to us at an early age more often than not or even later in adulthood right and that kind of piqued our curiosity and then from there, you know, it, it's just off to the races, right? You can't get enough of this subject. Um, for myself, I, um, I grew up in what I used to refer to as a haunted house. But looking back on it in hindsight, it was more, or I refer to it more as a haunted experience. Um, you know, oftentimes a haunted house is tied to a physical location, but there can also be haunted people which the phenomenon appear attracted to some, or what we might also refer to as magnets, right, for these strange things. Um, there's no doubt that I've become a magnet for strange activity at certain points in my life. But for that particular house, at that particular time, um, my parents were going through you know, not a really pretty divorce. So it was quite unstable. Uh, there were a lot of fights, a lot of yelling, a lot of fear, a lot of negative energy. And I believe this created the right conditions for perhaps whatever energy was already there at the time to maybe feed upon and strengthen, possibly even manifest into various things, which we all kind of experienced differently. And again, it was, you know, a long time ago. So, you know, I, I wasn't who I am now. You know, back then, I, I wish I would have wrote, written down everything that was happening. But now I just have these fragmented memories. Um, but I've talked with my family about it, and they also have memories of, of what took place there. But as a result of that, it kind of really piqued my curiosity. You know, I went to the school library. I was trying to read more about this subject to find out what am I dealing with here? And then 
you know, just the interest just grew and uh, I just started reading more. Eventually I got into par paranormal investigating with various groups for a while, but you know, I never found the right fit because they approached the phenomenon with this very rigid mentality, you know, that ghosts are spirits of dead people and here are the rules. Yet I kept coming across different examples that kind of defied the rules. Um, then I, I met uh, Alexandra Holzer, um, the daughter of the original ghost hunter, Hans Holzer, and uh, she gave me some great advice one time. You know, she asked me, well, why do you want to join a group? Just work independently and collaborate with other people. So that's what I've been doing ever since. And I've been, um, nowadays I'm, I'm doing a lot less investigating and more just direct communication with these experiencers. Um, I've been interviewing a lot of people and uh, I'm starting to focus less on the experience itself and more on that experience because that I believe is where the true clues lie as to how this phenomenon interacts with us and why it interacts with us. I actually think 2023 will be the year of the experiencer because you are like the third person who's been really serious about studying this that I've heard say, I'm going to start turning to the experiencers. And that's just of the people who I know who were researching and investigating. Um, this is also something that's been mentioned by academics and professionals, that the real data is going to come from the people who have the experience, um, which is, you know, not saying that we don't get real data elsewhere, but that's where people are starting to get more tuned to. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, because there's just so much rich data. And I think there's a lot of overlooked aspects too, right? Because we get so caught up in the evidence, right? The experience, like, show me the proof. But yet we're forgetting that there's also people at the heart of all of this. And I think that's, that could be what's triggering some of these things to occur. Maybe it's not so much an experience meant for a large uh, audience, but maybe mm -hmm. it's more tailored to the individual themselves. And maybe if we learn more about the individual, we can identify patterns and see those relationships and how they play out. Right. So one thing that I think is really interesting is that you talk about all the different aspects of the paranormal. In fact, you talk about some that I haven't even really gone into. And you use terminology that I really appreciate you educate people about. Um, of course, I'm good because this is data dojo. I'm going to want you to go over some of those at some point, but um, I, I can't help but notice how often these things intersect, right? Bigfoot and UFOs intersect. Ghost and increased poltergeist activity, increased UFO activity. You know, I, I uh, Keel mentioned it in his book um, and uh, other people who have studied the phenomena have noticed this pattern and I feel like of course you've seen it as well am I correct yeah there's there's certainly a lot of overlap and that was what I set out to do with my book the spectrum is I tried to kind of bring that to the forefront and uh, and help share with people um, you know paranormal researchers UFO researchers investigators, enthusiasts, that, hey, this could all be connected. This could be intertwined in many different aspects. I mean, we've we've known about it for, for decades, right? But it's still not the mainstream mentality. It's it's more like, let's keep these things, you know, in their neatly pa packaged, categorized boxes, and let's not look at anything else. But I, I think that just does a disservice to the research, right? Because there could be aspects, there could be 
clues, um, you know, that links all of this stuff together. So yeah, that, that was my goal. Well, one of my goals. Yeah. One thing I'm really interested in is the potential science or the potential nuts and bolts behind some woo things like people use these terms like you have to be nuts and bolts or woo and blah blah blah, blah. but i like looking at the science so one thing i've considered is like there might be like some kind of wave function is issue and we might be picking it up <laughs> like kind of getting some of these impressions from these waves that are intersecting our lives um and I don't know. I'm just really caught up on that, but I think I'm so focused on UFOs most of the time. I haven't gotten to look at that in terms of ghosts as much. However, historically, of course, you know, EM is a big part of ghosts as well. So, EM yeah, 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 yeah. There's, and you know, when I was when I was writing the spectrum, like I was. You know, I touch on some of these things, but <clears throat> excuse me, I was trying to write it in such a way as to not, you know, bore people because there is a lot of, you know, nuts and bolts, sciencey type stuff we can just focus on all day. I'm not a scientist. I'm a writer. And, you know, I write to be understood. And, you know, if I could get people to kind of entertain these alternative um, angles to the to the phenomenon you know, then, then I've done my job. You know, if I get people to ask questions instead of just putting forward answers, because, you know, let's be honest, this is not, yes, this field can be backed by certain aspects of science, but it's not mainstream science. A lot of it is speculation and what if scenarios, right? And how do you test, how do you formally test this phenomenon when it operates outside of the bounds and within the bounds of our, you know, known laws of physics, you know, it's very, very difficult. It's very challenging and elusive. And I think it requires kind of like a team effort, right, with the woo thinking and the hardcore science thinking. But we kind of have to come together and, and realize that this is, yes, this can be a very physical, tangible type of phenomenon, but it can be also a very metaphysical, invisible phenomenon that you can't easily measure or uh, or perceive you know so it's uh it requires a different form of thinking but i think the more people we have working on this from all these different angles i think perhaps we will make some progress <laughs> very little progress but maybe some progress yeah i think it helps if people start with people who have done this research for a long time like valet who's already said that you know some of these effects are psychological some of these effects are physical some of them are social you know um so if you start from someone who the giants <laughs> that have already done the work <laughs> and you get there so much faster instead of like starting from nothing uh i think that we're very lucky to have had people who have done that work so the other thing that um la has spoken about and also kind of goes to your comment about the phenomenon being elusive is this trickster element that the phenomenon plays <laughs> with you know so what do you think of the the trickster element of the phenomenon yeah i, I think this is one of the uh, often overlooked aspects of high strangeness uh experiences i think we as human beings 
we like to think that we're in control, right? You know, such as when you're going into that haunted bathroom, right? You like to think you're in control, right? Yeah. You're setting the, the, the rules. But um, what if we're not, you know? Uh, you know, and I think we have to be careful because what, when, what we are dealing with has no idea or, or has no true clear-cut motive or agenda, we need to proceed with caution, right? So therefore, we are only fooling ourselves in thinking these forces are benevolent. You know, they may be, or they may not be, or they may not have any human motive at all, as far as we're concerned. But that's why I tend to look at, you know, how these experiences change and reshape the experiencer's thinking, and maybe perspectives on life in general. You know, could there be some sort of subtle influence that changes their course or direction? Could it be something to mess with them and think that they are on a quote unquote special mission as tend to be the deal with some of these historical contactee cases, right? And then they end up, you know, becoming like, you know, the jokes on them uh, when there's no evidence, you know, then there's no uh, big event that takes place, right? Remember the abductees, they're, they're always shown this big event. Well, the big event never, never came to be as far as I know, right? Um, again, is there this trickster aspect? Um, Possibly. I think when you look at this from a human history uh, perspective, the phenomenon has always been there. Um, it's just we as a society, we put our labels on it and we try to define what it is. But maybe there is no discernible shape. Maybe we are the ones tricking ourselves. You know, again, it's all these questions, you know, <laughs> instead of answers. But um, I think that's kind of how we have to go about it. Right. You just have to, like, observe, look at the patterns. Um, instead of instantly jumping to the conclusions. Yes, I have to say that if you did write the science part of it and the book that talks about that, I would find that interesting. I mean, I know you you aren't writing to that <laughs> audience, but but like one thing that comes to mind because um, my background is psychology is how often different people will view an object differently. Um, they'll see it differently. They'll look at something and everyone will describe it differently and perception is a factor in what people see and it is a part of being tricked by the phenomenon so yeah so what do you think of that well i mean yeah it's it's certainly possible you know i'm you know i've been on cases where you know one person sees you know bright you know, ball of light and another person standing right next to them sees nothing at all, but they may hear something, something audible. Um, you know, it, this whole pers uh, perception aspect, um, this is actually, I've never really talked about it yet, but I'm, I'm leaning in my next book. This is the direction I'm, I'm trying to go in is mm -hmm. this perception aspect. You know, what is it that we think we are seeing and, you know, how, how is it that maybe we could, kind of change our perceptions um, of, of what we expect to see. Um, there's a lot, and I know this sounds all woo, right? Like, how do you, how do you measure this stuff, right? Um, but I think if we, you know, if we put the questions out there, maybe we will trigger other people who have more credentials, you know, such as yourself, such as others, um, who can actually study this with instrumentation, who can approach this from a more scientific aspect. Um, you know, that's that that'd be the goal, right? I know that's what the goal of the government, right? Um, to kind of try to figure this out. But um, or on the on the other side of the coin, maybe it's not meant to be figured out. Maybe it's just meant to be experienced. 
Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the perception thing interests me so much that I've actually put out, like, thought experiments on this, or I should say examples for people. Um, for instance, I'm sure um, you may remember something called The Dress, is oh, this... yes, yes. <laughs> that meme, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the dress is, um, to me, I believe it looks black and blue. Other people say it's gold and brown or something. And I've heard some other variations. It is incredible to me that anyone would see anything but black and blue. But they're convinced it's a different color than what I see. And it's it's a conundrum, right? I think our brains go into like illusions and hallucinations and, um, you know, have fail safes and, you know, all these fascinating things um, that I wish that I had studied the scientific side of psychology <laughs> sometimes because it really is very interesting. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, um, a, a lot of times, you know, we are, and this gets back into what we were briefly talking about at the start of the show, right, is we're putting these labels on it, and we have these preconceived notions, we have these stereotypes, and it could be that maybe the classic archetypes are just a construct of our own projections. You know, what if this phenomenon has no discernible shape? I mean, taking a, in a case like the evolution of the aliens, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, prior to, I think Jim Mars put this best is, um, you know, in the pre-modern age of ufology, prior to 1940s, right there, witches and demons, then 1950s, 1960s, they came from Mars and Venus, then 60s and 70s, right? They get a little more sophisticated, Alpha Centauri and Zeta Reticuli star systems. Then the 90s mm -hmm. and 2000s, it's now another galaxy, another dimension, another time. Well, where do they all come from, right? And mm -hmm. I love how Jim Mars phrases it. He says, the answer is yes, and all of the above, right? Again, I think these might be tied to us, the experiencer, and it could just be a manifestation of our consciousness instead, you know? And what if these beings, whatever discernible shape they take, what if they're just merely reflecting our own thoughts or our own wishful thinking, you know? Um, I, I, I know, know it's not true, though. You know why? Because every time I try to project that I would like a unicorn, I fail. Not, not a single unicorn has come yeah. to me. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I see your humor in it, but uh, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that, you know, maybe it's not that simple, right? Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, when I talk with people and, and they say to me, well, you know, I want to see a UFO or, you know, I want to see a ghost. Well, maybe it's not that simple that you just mm -hmm. have to have that desire to see something and therefore it is. Again, that gets into our our own our own thought process of we're in control. Well, what if what if it, it it's not us that's in control, but maybe it, whatever it is, needs us or an aspect of us in order to manifest. But maybe it's reaching into some other aspect of our psyche and bringing that forward again it's all speculation right but it's this type of mindset i think we need to get out of that these otherworldly beings are from outer space and that these ghosts are spirits of dead people and that bigfoot is this you know undiscovered animal maybe it's more than that 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's, or maybe it's not as simple as that, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bigfoot's definitely just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to cryptids. <laughs> like, I'm one of the ones that fascinates me are the little people, the, uh, you know, the fae, the, um, the, the sprites and the pixies and the gnomes, they have a thousand words for them and they're international too. So, I mean, there's just so many things that pile up um, in human experience and it's, it's just like our oceans and our, our, our own bodies and our brains. We still just are mystified. And you would think we would have gotten further, but I have to remind us <laughs> that we've only been as far, this far in the last 200 years. Only in the last 200 years have we had this burst of ability to explore these things. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have to kind of be patient, right, as human beings. You know, we're not going to, you know, crack the case, solve the mystery, you know, overnight. I mean, yes, great progress is being made, um, but we're still not there yet, you know, but we're working our way there. And I think we just have to, you know, first off, we have to look at our own planet, too. You know, uh, I mean, look at all the new species of animals, plants, insects, like we're continually discovering, right? And more than 80% of the underwater realm has been unmapped, unobserved, and unexplored, mm. according to, uh, you know, the National Ocean Service, right? So um, yet a majority of UAP and UFOs, as documented by our military branches, have been seen coming out of and going into the ocean. So for me to say that, or, you know, to jump to the preconceived notion that aliens are from beyond the stars, well, I think it's a little premature and naive, right? Like something is there, but what it is is anybody's guess. I sure don't have a clue, nor did the, you know, the funding that these government and academic organizations have in in studying the phenomenon, right? Like, they don't have a clue either. Um, But again, we have to just, we have to start learning to ask, I think, the right questions before we can start looking at identifying the answers. And and that we're, we're not, we're not there yet. What is really interesting, though, is the people who study this the longest admit that they know the least they can only really study it from the point of view of what it has done to other people the impact that it's had if there's physical trace evidence of some kind if there's a photo but there's never the why being answered you can't really answer that um and and it's it's admirable that people who've worked on this for decades and decades can still say, I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and that's healthy too. You know, it's okay not to know. Um, you know, but, but for a lot of people, that's especially mainstream science, right? Especially, you know, the, the, the powers that are there to try to protect this country, right? For them to say, I don't know, causing a question, their legitimacy, causing a question, their, um, their ability to do their jobs, right? Um, you know, when you have, you know, like a medical doctor is saying, oh, well, you have a condition, but I don't know how to treat it. That's very unnerving for a patient, right? Yeah, but I think, okay, so let's take the pressure off the government a little bit and remind them that they, don't, they aren't expected to be our medical doctor. We don't even expect them to be our nurse. We expect them to be the hospital right that the building but you know we don't expect all of that other stuff 
Like they have a very specific job. They provide structure. They, you know, put money into different things that help the country go forward and protect the country. But I don't see it as their job to know the why. And I don't think everyone else does either. But we do resent the fact that they're not being transparent. I resent well, that. Right. Well, you know, again, let me let me correct you know, myself here. Like it's, you know, we, we can have a conversation about this because, you know, we're looking at it through a different lens, right? But when you mm -hmm. ask, you know, the, the typical American, right, who, who may not be well-versed in this, you know, mm -hmm. hey, what, what's the job of your government to do, right? Is it to protect you? Or is it, you know, like, is it to give you the answers that you seek? Is it to lead the country, right? That's why you vote yeah. these people in office, right? And I, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think we need to give our government a, you know, a break. We need to understand that they don't have all the answers. I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, that's not okay. And especially for a lot of the pressure that, you know, that Congress is putting on these people in military to provide the answers with the UAP stuff, right? Yeah. But they don't know. So we need to kind of be patient with that. We need to allow them that freedom to explore, to figure out the answers that we, we don't know, the, the reasons why, like you brought up before. Yeah. Um, There's just like some strange double standards when it comes to the UAP topic. Yeah. Seriously, like if it was another topic, like does God exist? There's no way they would expect the government to like give an answer to that. Right. Well, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure there are people who might expect. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for everyone, right? I can only speak for myself. I can only speak, you know. Yeah, that's it. I can only speak for myself and, and what I would imagine that their mindset would be. Um, you know, someone once told me that the government doesn't like to be thought of as, as fools, you know, they, they don't like to be thought of as foolish. And if you think about it, this phenomenon really makes everyone look foolish, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it, like I said earlier, it is in control. It is mm -hmm. playing by its own rules, whether that involves us or not. But we have to just kind of, we have to look at it differently. We can't keep applying all of our same linear thinking we have to kind of approach this from a different way and that could require a whole radical mindset change i, I don't know just throwing different ideas out there yeah well I mean, i'm not I afraid have... to say i don't know <laughs> oh yeah i have all kinds of weird ideas regularly on this show and one of them is just maybe this is a very complicated letter to humanity that we're receiving and how other civilizations communicate is so vastly different from how we communicate that we're not even going to see it. <laughs> like we're not even going to understand the message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can understand why, like, you know, I, I, I tend to be reserved when someone comes forward and says, okay, this is what it is, right? This is what it has to be. Well, why? Like, just because it seems that way. Like when you get, all right, let's take your restaurant experience, right? You know, the perception from the restaurant staff was that there is a ghost in the restroom, right? And it was messing with people, right? Well, what if it wasn't messing with people? What if it was just, what if it's always been there and it was just, it just exists. It just coexists rather with humanity. Well, does that mean that we have to get rid of it? Does that mean we have to clear that area out? No, maybe 
it's just there. There's nothing we can do about it. Maybe that's okay. Um, yeah. I, I will say that, you know, and, and I know that, again, you have said in the beginning of this that you're not a medium, but I do think anyone who's drawn to the paranormal tries to use the innate gifts that they have, be it instinct, which is a safer term for some people, they feel more comfortable with that term, or clear audience or clairvoyance or whatever, or just like heightened awareness. That's a more psychological term that people like, right? So there's ways you can just say it, but it's all a human experience with the phenomenon, right? So yeah. I think that's a factor too. And it's just actually one of the questions I wanted to ask if, if you think that perception is being altered by people having varying gifts or abilities like that well yeah i mean i think there's yeah i think there is a possibility um again it's you know speculative right um but yeah I, th I think that that could play into it i think there could be like a mindset um that affects how the phenomenon is, is perceived um you know i'll share with you a, a one case um, that I wrote about in the book, uh, there was, there was one woman who, um, she was studying Buddhism and as a result of her studies into that, uh, it unlocked something in her mind and she began to see what appeared to be spirits or, or actual dead people roaming the earth. And those beings, uh, recognized that she had that ability and started approaching her and she didn't like that ability. So she went to some of her leaders and, and discussed this, and they said this is just a, you know, a, a byproduct of, you know, that happens with some people, and just to ignore it, and eventually it'll go away. Um, so that's what she did. She just didn't want to talk about it. And when I spoke with her about this, um, she was very reluctant to share these things with me, and I could I could tell, um, you know, when you're interviewing people. You, you can get a sense of the trauma that they are experiencing when dealing with this uh, strangeness. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think we have to be a, very understanding of that because these are human beings and these are very fragile human beings. You know, when you have a, an experience that kind of defies what you expect life to be, uh, that'll mess with you. And it might really scare you. And a lot of people you know who have had, had these experiences, they don't want to share this stuff. And I think that actually leads to a question that I presented to you um, that I wanted to talk about. And and it, it's, a, it's a sticking point for me, too. The expectations part causes the trauma, right? So in other cultures, like in Japan, some parts of Japan, seeing spirits is considered pretty normal. Um, it's actually just kind of accepted that you might be walking side by side a spirit. In fact, there's um, some religions where spirits are in everything. Um, Shintoism in Japan is a good example. Spirits are pretty much everywhere. If you watch any anime at all, which I only watch very, very little, <laughs> Studio Ghibli. Anywho. Um, they, you, you hear about the spirits are everywhere. So in other cultures, it's, it is an expectation. So I think the trauma is caused by us not considering paranormal to be normal, 
right? So I think yeah. sometimes the word paranormal can cause a problem. And the idea of paranormal causes a problem. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I, and you, you bring up uh, another point that, you know, I've, I've started to get into is, you know, is the ghost festival, you know, in China, Taiwan, right? You know, the ghost month where there is a period of time where the ghosts are allowed to roam freely, you know, about about the earth. And, um, you know, again, you know, when we look at it from a from a Western perspective, that that seems outrageous. But different cultures have different expectations, right? And the way that they handle these things is is very different. And I think we need to be receptive of this. We need to, mm -hmm. again, we need to soak up all of these different cultures, all of their ideas, their mentalities. And again, we need to work together. We need to look at this phenomenon from a global perspective, not just a, this country is studying it, this country is studying it, and they're never sharing the information. Um, you know, I, I, it's like this is like our climate change issue, right? You know, we need to tackle this from a world perspective. Um, so yeah, to put like labels, to, to consider this paranormal when it could very well be a normal experience, you know, there could be, again, more speculation, right? There's, um, we like to think of this as an external force, right? Well, what if the paranormal or whatever you want to refer to it as, what if it's just an extension of the human experience? You know, there, there's nothing external about it. It's coming all from within. Hey, that's just as impressive in my book. But um, again, that requires a different mindset, a different approach to trying to understand this stuff. Um, so I think when we put the labels on it, we're doing the disservice. We kind of have to just look at this as, okay, this is just strange stuff. Or maybe it's not strange at all. Mm -hmm. Just normal stuff. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. Like it's not traumatizing if you might expect that, right? Like if if everyone thinks, oh, there's probably a ghost in the bathroom because there's ghosts everywhere, it's not so traumatizing. And you don't get that huge adrenaline rush that makes you think you're gonna have a heart attack like I had. <laughs> okay. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, it's there's certainly a thrill to this, right? There's a fun aspect. And I think, you know, when people like to keep this separate, right? Like this doesn't happen. This is a not everyday occurrence. Um, it kind of takes the fun out of it, right? The adrenaline, the excitement. Okay, you know, that's fine. Look, everybody's gonna have their own thought process with this, you know, their own background. Um, you know, a lot of people tend to say, okay, so a lot of uh, church going folks are gonna be opposed to this. Um, I love having conversations with people in the church. Because, you know, I like to just put different different takes on this, right? Um, okay, what if what if this just is an extension of us? You know, what if, you know, just because somebody has psychic abilities, does that mean that they're possessed? Not necessarily, you know. Um, but again, it's that stereotype, that preconceived notion. That's what's kind of hindering the progress. So, well, here's another thing that's interesting about when you bring religion into it, it, and I actually asked someone this question recently um, because they were religious and studying cryptids. Um, don't you feel that all of this actually promotes religion as it stands, say, in Christianity? Because isn't Christianity 
pretty much talking about high strangeness throughout the whole Bible. Like they're talking oh, yeah. about giants and God who's in heaven, which isn't on earth and demons mm -hmm. and, you know, all kinds of the flood that wipes out like almost everybody. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there are a lot of supernatural elements, you know, when it when it comes and, you know, religion. But let's talk about Christianity. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of supernatural aspects to to Christianity. And, um, you know, but a lot of people, again, they don't, they don't look at it like that. They try to separate it. Right. Oh, well, that's that's a different type of supernatural. Okay, well, it's still supernatural, still paranormal, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, for me, it's actually, it's actually helped my spiritual journey. Um, it's further strengthened it, to be honest with you. Um, there was a point in time when I was really conflicted. You know, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, do I continue studying this stuff? Um, or do I walk away from it? And, uh, you know, it, it was just really strange for me, a strange time. And I, uh, I was just like, okay, you know, I just went to prayer for the answer. I was like, all right, God, like, what do you want me to do with this? And, um, you know, to, to my surprise, well, here I am talking about it still, but I'm still studying, you know, the Christian aspects. So can a Christian still pursue this and not be looked at as, you know, uh, demonic. I think so. Yeah. If you approach it with a healthy perspective, right. If you, if you consider your intention, right. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the game changer, right. It is your mindset, your intention. What do you, what do you hope to achieve by pursuing this? You know, if you're trying to gain supernatural powers, right. To take over the world. Well, maybe that's not a good intention, but if you're looking at it from the aspect of, okay, I'm studying this in order to help humanity, uh, to help others understand it, to have those healthy conversations, then it can be a good thing. Yeah, I was I was thinking, you know, I, I feel a lot of people, at least in the UFO community, actually become more spiritual and more connected to God and mm -hmm. more likely to believe in angels and things like that because of this. Yeah. I feel it actually brings people closer to God. Um, people just, you know, change some semantics sometimes, but they actually become almost more faithful and religious because of their interest in the paranormal. Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, everybody's walk is going to be different, right? I mean, I, I've seen people who, you know, have pursued this and they've kind of gone off the deep end, you know, to creating their own religion. And okay, that's their choice, you know. But then I've seen other people who use it to, you know, in a in a different capacity in order to help people um, who are within the church. I, I remember uh, being a part of one um, one church where one of the uh, members was a what I think is a, an alien abductee. But how do you how do you handle that topic? Right. Um, church leaders aren't they're not prepared for that. And, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken with a lot of these church leaders to kind of get their perspective. And they need people like us to help, again, from a healthy perspective, to help kind of like guide them, train them, right? Share what we've learned, share the data, so to speak. 
and then allow them to, you know, do what they do. But, um, but if we're not having those conversations, if we're instantly dismissing them as, oh, well, they're just dealing with the devil, you know, just cleanse them and be gone. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't work, right? Because where are they going to turn to next, right? They may, they may get into a cult, you know, that embraces something else. And then maybe it's not healthy. Um, Again, we kind of have to welcome these conversations from all these different aspects, all these different approaches. That that is, I think that's the more helpful way to 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 bridge these worlds together. Right. It's just it's so interesting to me. I was raised Catholic, and I feel like the Catholics have a different view of a lot of this. And I and I say that not only from my understanding of some of the things that are hidden in the Vatican, right. Um, but just some of the things I heard in my upbringing and of course, some personal experiences and, you know, the Catholics are the ones that are, you know, all about, you know, I know this is in other religions as well, but exorcisms, they're like famous for, you know, exorcisms and movies. They're always the the ones that get brought out in the movies. So, um, I feel like that's the, weirder to me exorcisms and possessions might be weirder to me (laughs) than some of the things people say about um their abduction experiences i don't know like huh that's interesting well what let me ask you this what what makes it weird um the for instance speaking in tongues um the complete change of personality the some of the physical things that happen that emanate from the person um you know the changes in smell in the room um you know things like that um how did that even like how did that spirit even get into that person like you know especially if they're like a you know fairly good person um so things like that right or why would that demon even want to be in a human you know like i don't know so many things um well if you, if you kind of like take that to like the alien abduction phenomena, right? There, there are a lot of similarities in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'll just take some of them, right? Like exorcism, right? You know, the, the levitation, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the alien abduction scenario, certain people claim to be, you know, levitated out of their bed, right? Floated mm-hmm. right out of the room through walls, through ceilings. Um, you know, with the whole like demons entering into the human body. Well, how's that any different from like the alien, you know, I hate to say this, but like the, you know, the impregnating type, you know, things that you hear about, right. You know, the, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that type of genetic manipulation, you know, um, I think there's a lot of this, you know, kind of crossover effect. And I think, uh, you know, maybe it's not so different. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it is interesting. And, and sometimes I just think it's going to boil down to semantics. One person's demon is another person's alien is another person's Bigfoot is yeah. another person's angel. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be that these are all the same experience. They're just taking on different forms. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I know we definitely um, have a lot ahead of us to tackle and to try to find out and we were already almost out of time. So I think I'm only going to have time to tackle and try to find out one more thing. <laughs> like that's, that's how quick the time went. It's already um, oh my goodness. almost at an hour. 
I really wanted to ask you to explain the stone tape theory because you were so good about bringing in language and concepts and phrases um, and educating people in your book. And I caught on that one and, and I had thought maybe there might be some way to apply it to UFO sightings. So could you please explain the stone tape theory? Yeah, sure. So the stone tape theory, you know, it's been passed around various paranormal investigation groups over time. Again, it's just one explanation that could account for hauntings taking place, more specifically residual type hauntings. Um, in, in the paranormal world, there's two main types of hauntings, even though there's a bunch of other subsets, but uh, intelligent hauntings and residual. Intelligent meaning the ones that interact with you, um, seemingly has an intelligence behind it. And then the residual part, which kind of plays itself over and over like a recording. Well, the question being, can certain emotions, <clears throat> excuse me, be somehow recorded by the surrounding structures and played back to us? You know, perhaps that is what we're seeing in these residual type of cases, right? Um, but what is the recording device? Could it be that, you know, high granite deposits are the recorder, you know, or maybe it works in combination with large bodies of water too. It would seem that there might be a correlation between these two distinct physical environmental conditions kind of leading to more haunting activity taking place. But there's another aspect too, that being strong emotion or like sudden, unexpected, and often violent tragedy too. You know, maybe that is the threaded spool of tape, so to speak, that also needs to be present for the recording device to function. Again, it's all just theory. But related to UFOs, um, you know, I, I never thought about this stone tape theory being applied to that until you brought it up now. And we do know that UFOs are often seen near large bodies of water. So maybe that is a commonality between the two. Um, you know, maybe, you know, that the, the UFO or the UAP, maybe that's just a form of energy that hasn't been, you know, destroyed, because uh, we hear that from science, right? Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Um, so maybe it's just this residual effect that's playing itself out. Um, again, more speculation. I hate to always speculate, but that's all we got, you know? Well, you know what, though? The great thing is that while you are specula speculative, your book goes on a journey with what you're speculating. And not only are you doing that with your readers, but you're also educating them along the way. So I personally appreciate the fact that you're open to considering things um, as you educate your readers, because I enjoyed that in your book and I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so glad. I mean, that, that you just made my night, you know, that's what well, I, I tried to, I try to write it in such a way that it does that, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to share with the reader some of those experiences that I've had personally, some of the experiences that others have shared with me. Um, and I'm going to try to make some sort of sense out of it. I'm going to try to present the data and let you decide, you know, just because I'm saying something doesn't mean it's, you know, gospel. I mean, do your own research, look up, your own, you know, stuff, you know, try to figure out, formulate your own questions, right? But if I can get you to at least start asking the questions, then I've done my job. That's all I hope to do. 
Well, I really hoped that we would have had time to go into one of your favorite topics, which was the men in black. And I, I recently not only found like the film that everyone talks about with the men in black and, right. and then the picture. And then I found that you had also put that on your website and I, w I would like you to just let people know a little bit about your website so that they can go find you if they want to share the story or see the stuff about the men in black or some of the other stuff that's on there. Yeah. So um, the whole men in black subject that I seem to get a lot of uh, a lot of people contacting me to share their experiences with this. But I've started dropping that moniker men in black uh, and just referring it as just strange people encounters. I think there's a lot of this taking place. Um, again, what type of box do you put it into? It doesn't always follow the UFO experience. A lot of times it does, but not always. Um, you know, who do you go to when you have one of these strange people encounters? And, and I'm not talking about, you know, the crazies you may run into at your, you know, local big box, you know, retailer whose name shall not be mentioned. But, you know, it's, there is this aspect and it doesn't get a whole lot of coverage. A lot of people think that it fits this certain stereotype made famous in the movies. I'm telling your audience, no, it doesn't. There is this interesting experience that has been told to me a lot now. And I, I've tried to share some of these stories, um, present some of these case reports on the site. I don't update normalparanormal.org as much as I hope to. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, but as a result of that site, a lot of people have contacted me from all over the world. And I know that's how you and I connected. I was delivering a, a talk on this, um, a presentation on this. And I hope to, you know, kind of share more of those experiences on online in this coming year. Um, but yeah, if anyone has an experience um, involving just strange people that you've had peculiar encounters with, um, I encourage you to kind of Go to my website, click the contact form, and send me an email. And, uh, you know, let's go from there. Um, I'd love to talk with you. Um, and uh, let's just see what some of these common threads may, may be. So, I have to say that ever since I heard about the grinning people and the floating heads and flying hominids, you know, I would like to see a book that's just about strange people encounters. I really would. Yeah, well, it's certainly it's certainly taking place. But again, like, how do you who do you approach with those those stories? Right? Do, do you go to MUFON? Do you go to your local, you know, ghost group? Um, mm -hmm. Do you go to a, you know, a cryptid expert? Like, where do you go? Those mm -hmm. are the stories that I'm really interested in hearing. The ones you that go to Justin, you yeah, go to Justin. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. But, you know, the ones that you can't put into a neatly packaged box, those are the ones I really want to hear about. You know, let's let's drop the labels. Let's drop all those preconceived notions. Let's just look at it as that high strangeness experience. Okay. So I wanted to just let you know that um, one of the things that you touched on in your book was um, the strange phone calls that people get after uh, either a UFO encounter or some other kind of high strangeness incident. So mm. I did a poll in honor of that part of your book. I said, for experiencers, have you ever gotten a strange phone call that you could that could not be traced that claimed to be? 
Okay, so here's what the choices were. Non-human ET others or government-MIB or unknown but strange or just noise. Now, granted, some people just wrote in messages, no, nothing, right? And obviously yeah. some people weren't experiencers, so they wouldn't have put anything. But I wanted to give you the percentage. Okay. Um, the winning vote was 49%, which would have been, there are 54 votes total. So like 25 people said just noise. They got calls that were just noise after their encounters. 33%, so like one third of the group. Um, unknown but strange like they just got a weird unknown person talking to them in a strange way. Unfortunately, um, the other two were the smallest at 9% each. <laughs> so not a lot of non-human entities calling people apparently. But I just wanted to let you know, I put that out there on Twitter in honor of your work with the phone calls. I yeah, did wonder, great. I was wondering you can just say yes or no because we're almost out of time. Is it happening still as much on cell phones or was that more of like the dial up days back in the day or the old rotary phone days? Yeah. I, I, well, you know, to be honest with you, it's, yes, it's a very rare thing. Um, I don't expect there to be a lot of these reports. Um, it, it would seem again, it, my assumption is it would seem that it was more common with the landline type connections. I don't hear about it as much with cell phone type connections, but that doesn't mean that it isn't happening to that. Um, I'd love to hear more from your audience if they've had some of these experiences for sure. Um, that That's the, the hard part is getting that information because again, like I mentioned earlier, who do you go to with that? Right. Um, so you get a weird phone call, Okay, so what, you know, and that doesn't mean it is something truly high strangeness related. It could just be, you know, just a, I don't know, a scam caller or a wrong call, whatever. Or there oh. could be something else to this. I don't know. I, I'll tell you this, Justin, I think that if you uh, start a podcast, you'd be surprised at how many DMs you would get in addition to the <laughs> messages you get <laughs> on, on your website about high strangeness. I think I've gotten plenty of interesting emails and uh, quite a lot of stories because there are quite a lot of humans experiencing high strangeness, which might, as we said earlier, just be normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, if you get any of those, those interesting cases, you know, feel free to forward them my way. Um, I, I am on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter as much as I used to. Um, go to that website, normalparanormal.org. Um, there's a contact form there. You know, get in touch with me. I'd, I'd love to hear from you, uh, who you meaning whoever's listening right now. Right. And you know what, Justin, I have your um, information also linked in the description. Um, if you want to, you could go ahead and uh, say goodbye to our listeners. I very much appreciate that you came um, today and spoke with me. And I'm definitely going to want to have you come back in the future. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All Thank right, you. take care.
Okay. So everyone, this was Deb from Deb Said at Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. If you need me, I'm either on Calling All Beings on YouTube, or you can look at the UFOConnector.com, um, UAP Medical Coalition, at Study of UAPs, all over social media. Um, and of course, I'm here. And feel free to reach out. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs>